0: Alright, now I'm going to have you turn to Revelation chapter 13. We'll be reading the entire chapter. Once you've found your place, please stand for reading God's Word. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea, with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, its feet... Were like a bear's, and its mouth were like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marvelled as they followed the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? And who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for forty-two months. And it opens its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people, language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb, who is slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in, in its presence, and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performed great signs even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of the people. And by the signs that it was allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceived those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast. It de- that, was, that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast. So the image of the beast might, be, e- might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. It also causes all both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Reading God's word, you may be seated. Who well, here I can tell you what this is? It's a dollar? Amen. All right, come up here, honey. Nah. Nah. He said it's a dollar bill. Would you tell the congregation what it really is? Paper. It's paper. It's a counterfeit. Paper. <laughs> what I want you to understand is that what we see in this chapter, what we see from Satan always is he's a counterfeit. Amen. A, a counterfeit, when somebody counterfeits money or anything else like that, they have a, a purpose to deceive you, to make you think it is the genuine article. And looking at, at this piece of paper, you would think it's the genuine article. It was, it was copied from a genuine article, but if you were to touch it and realize it's just fake, you take it to the bank, they're going to arrest you. <laughs> they know it's fake. Do you. Are you able to tell when something is fake, when it's phony? Are you able to tell when something is Christian or not? There are many in this world, and, and we are warned throughout Scripture We are told that there are many that will come in Christ's name claiming to be teachers and preachers. And they they will claim to be of Christ. You are told you need to be able to tell the difference. What is happening here in in these chapters is a follow-up from Revelation chapter 12. What happened in Revelation 12? We have the great archangel Michael. He goes to war against Satan, the red dragon, the serpent, the ancient beast, our enemy of enemies. Satan, the one who deceived Eve, the one who tried to declare himself God, he has now been cast down. And he brought a third of the angels with him that we now call demons. They no longer deserve the name angel. And so he has been cast down to the earth. So what is he trying to set up? Now that he no longer has access to heaven, no longer has access to accuse you before God, he no longer has access to God's throne. He no longer could have dreams about ascending to the throne of God and becoming God himself. So what does he have to settle for? Like many men that have had their dreams shattered, they settle for something far less. And Satan has to settle for something far less. He has to settle for declaring himself God of the earth. Because he is not able to go up to heaven anymore. And so he he tries to create what we will call an unholy trinity. He tries to replicate what God has made. And so Satan tries to establish himself as the father. The first beast that we read of is the one known as the Antichrist. He is is a Jesus-like figure. He will be seen as a Messiah for the world. He will mimic the miracles of Jesus, including a false resurrection. And this miracle is why people will fall after him. There's many people in this world who want to know, how does the resurrection of Christ affect me? It affects you immensely. But too many want to reject it. What we have in scriptures, I share with my Sunday school class, what we have in scriptures is is God in a loving way warning us of what's to come. We are like a child playing in a busy Walmart parking lot and there's cars coming and going and we're too short to be seen by these cars and we're going to get hit. And so what does God do? He rescues us. He dies in front of the car and pulls us back so we don't get hit. That's the death of His Son. Jesus came to die for you so you don't have to suffer that death. But too many of us, were arrogant and we're stubborn. We're like, well, that can't happen twice. And we go right back out in that parking lot. And guess what happens? You get hit, you're dead. You're eternally separated from God. What Satan offers this world is counterfeit. He offers a Christ that cannot save you, but will only condemn you. Christ offers you to come and worship him freely. What does Satan offer you? He says, come and worship the Antichrist, the beast. If you do not worship him, you will starve to death. You will not be able to provide for your family. There is no blessing in honoring the beast. Only cursing if you refuse to obey. That doesn't sound like God at all, does it? That doesn't sound like a savior. It sounds like a tyrant. He also rises up one that's called the false prophet. He is one that that mimics the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. To testify to us about Christ. When you share the gospel with others, you're, you're sharing your testimony of how Christ has changed your life. But there is another who bears witness. It's like a few weeks ago we talked about the two witnesses. How in the Mosaic Law there always had to be two witnesses. Whenever you share the gospel with someone, there are always two witnesses. You are a witness alongside the Holy Spirit who testifies that Christ is Lord. That Christ was sent down, born of the virgin, died for your sins was risen on the third day and is now seated at the right hand of God awaiting the Father's command to come again now what we have with this false prophet is he will point to the beast the Antichrist and say this is your Messiah and this is your Savior you must worship him and he will collude with the Antichrist and deceive many but as Christ has warned us from 2 uh, Thessalonians, we read, The lawless one will be revealed. False Christs and false prophets will rise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Who's the elect? That's you. If you place your faith in Christ, you are the elect. Christ is warning that if it were possible, you would be deceived. This is no mere uh, magician or, or a computer show you see on America's Got Talent. This person will deceive the entire world. All whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. We need to be on guard and know how to identify the the false prophets, the false teachers. Because if you can't identify the the false teachers that are living today, how will you identify the Antichrist? How will you be able to tell that that he is a liar, that he is from Satan? We need to make sure, first of all, that our understanding of Jesus is accurate. Too often we... We'll watch movies, and if you watch different movies, you'll see that there's different portrayals of Jesus, different actors, different directors, but their different takes. Just like when you and I read the scriptures, you might read one thing, I might read another. But we need to be accurate to what the scriptures say and not, not make up a God in our own mind, because what is that called? Idolatry. That's idolatry. It is sin against God Himself. <laughs> Too many of us, we commit adultery. For either we, we make Jesus out to be something He's not. Or we make up a Jesus that's not even real. Too, too often when we look, uh, probably the Jesus, the, the, the pictorial of Jesus in movies and things that I like the least is, is the hippie Jesus. You'll see this in the 60s and 70s movies. You got Jesus and, and he's very loving. He's like a big teddy bear. Come to me, I love you. Well, what do I read when I read the Gospel of John? I read a Jesus who says, You do not believe my words. Because you cannot stand to hear them. Because you are of your father, the devil. That sounds like a hippie Jesus, right? No. Jesus wasn't radical. Immensely so. I've shared with you before, uh, the, the preacher David Platt wrote, wrote a book where he got himself in a little bit of trouble because he said God hates sinners. Does God hate sinners? What does God's word say? God abhors sinners. Make, make no mistake that, that God does not like to put up with sin. He sent his son so you don't have to be a sinner anymore. When you enter into his presence, you will be a saint, not a sinner. But one, one thing he said, he marveled, he said, when Jesus would go around preaching he, and he would start getting a following, we read about him feeding thousands and thousands of people. At one time he feeds 5,000 men, plus the women and children. They don't even number the women and children, but there's so many. And he follows that up, what, what does he do? He gives the, the Great Bread of Life sermon in John, where he says, If you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have eternal life. It's a real easy sermon to hear, right? You don't hear Joel C. So preaching that too much, just saying. It's not an easy sermon to preach and it's less it's even less easy to hear. The reality is Jesus was a radical. We need to make sure that the Jesus that we know is the Jesus that we follow. We don't follow after false teachers and false prophets who claim one thing. Because one thing, just like this dollar bill that that false teachers have in common, they give you the appearance of being Christian. They give you the appearance of being a teacher of God. There were many teachers of God in Jesus' day. And he called them all out. He called the Pharisees out. It was much better in Jesus' day to be a sinner than a Pharisee. The sinners were given grace. The Pharisees, because they claimed to know God, were held to a much higher standard. Just as myself and our deacons and our Sunday school teachers, you'll be held to a higher standard. Amen. If you teach what is not of God, you'll be held accordingly. So, how can we know what is of God and what is not? How can we identify these false teachers? How are we going to identify the Antichrist? I have four things here I'd like us to go over number one thing, any person that is of God, that is a, a Christian, the number one thing they should do with their lives, and especially with their teaching and preaching, is to exalt Jesus. If you ever see a preacher exalt themselves over Christ, they are not of Christ. If you have Sunday school teachers that want to exalt themselves over Christ, they are not of Christ. The reality, Christ didn't come to make us rich. Christ came to offer us salvation. I've said many times, well, what does Jesus offer you? He offers you eternal life, and you should re- be rejoicing, jumping up and down. Yes, even as Baptists, you can dance and praise God for that. Amen. 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 I'll have note the the amen came from the dancing Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing he offers you is a cross to die on. He never promises you riches. He never promises you fame. He promises you that the world will persecute you as the world has persecuted him. Even to the point of death. Even death on the cross as Peter would find out. Second John says this, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning. <coughs> so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh. Such... A one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead does not abide in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting? For whoever greets him takes part in this wickedness. When we read John, John is known as the the apostle, the disciple whom Jesus loved. We often portray him as kind of this younger kid, you know, who's all about love as well. But the reality, John was also known as a son of thunder. He was a bit of a radical himself. And here he says, if they are not willing to abide by the teaching of Christ, do not invite them into your home. This is not a teaching we hear often. We don't like to hear about that. But it says, do not invite them in the home if they, they are offering you something else you may want to think about the next time the Jehovah's Witnesses is coming out to your door. What does the Apostle John say? He said, invite them in and have a Bible study? Do not invite them in. Speak the gospel on your front door. Give them the warning that, that God has given us. Give them, do it with grace as God has given us. But we need to understand who is not of us. Now I want us to understand what John said there, that, that anyone who does not preach that Christ is coming again is not of Christ. We have many preachers in this world, many teachers, even in our own uh, local area, in our own denomination, who do not teach that Christ is coming again. They, they teach what's known as the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel. They, they teach how you can have blessings, and God offers you blessings for this life. But that is not the purpose of this life, is to be rich here. The purpose is to live a life for Christ, to give God glory. You know, we are to preach the gospel, yes and Amen. But we're also to, to speak of and preach that Christ is coming again. So many people, they, they, you talk to them and you ask them, you know, are you ready for Christ to return? And they haven't even thought about it because they haven't heard about it. Christ is coming again. And not just metaphorically, literally Christ is coming again. And you don't have to ask yourself, well, is this Christ, has he returned? Or is this Christ has returned? You will know by one way. You will look up to heaven and you will see the sky open. You will hear earthquakes. (coughs) And when you look up to the sky, you will see Christ on a white horse with innumerable amount of angels and saints. You won't have to ask if he is coming again. You will know and you will be afraid. For the church will be gone when he returns. For we will be returning with him. It's called the rapture. Number two is to impress on people the great need to believe in him. And be saved by his death and resurrection, because they are sinful and God is holy. I will stand before you here and now and tell you I am a sinner. I am not holy on my own. I am not righteous on my own. It is the righteousness of Christ in me, because I have placed my faith in him that makes me righteous. If anybody does, doesn't tell you that you are a sinner and that you need the gospel of Christ, that you need to repent and place your faith in Christ, they are not of Christ. They are not of God. I'll be honest with you, that's probably 80% of our preachers that you see on TV. They don't tell you you need to repent and have sin. They don't, need to, they, they don't tell you of the dangers. <coughs> A hot topic, and I know we tend to beat up on it too much, and I, that is not my intention today, but the hot topics we have today are the homosexuality, lesbian, gender identity, and, and all those kind of things. I would tell them, as I I tell anyone here, we are all sinners. We all need to place our faith in Jesus Christ and repent for it. For if we do not, we will receive the wrath of God. If you think God is accepting of sin, read Romans 1, especially the last half of the chapter. It says you've been given over to a debased mind to depraved sinful things because you have refused to worship God. Over and over again... We see those that that want to say God is loving. Yes, amen, God is loving. But with love comes justice. If somebody were to murder your child, and then the judge let them off go free, would you consider that judge loving? Then why do you ask God to do it and consider Him loving for doing so? God will bring justice for all those who have done evil. Now, it is the judge's right to give grace and mercy where he he deems so. Not because the the person deserves it. Oftentimes, we we tend to approach scriptures like these and say, well, I'm a good person, really. I've done a lot of good things. It doesn't matter how many good things you've done. It doesn't matter how much money you give to charity. All those type of things. Because it would be like going to a judge and saying, well, I know I, I, I murdered this little girl. And I've gone before the judge and say, well, judge, but I'm a pastor and I'm a preacher and I, and I always give my 10% and I do this and I do that. You know what that judge is going to say to me? Enjoy a lifetime in prison. And if you're in Texas, you get the death penalty. The reality is your good works don't outweigh your one bad deed or your thousand bad deeds. Reality is we will all have to stand before God and give an account and it's really going to come down to the two different things. Have you trusted in Christ? Because then Christ will be your advocate, your lawyer, and he will say, I've already paid his sentence. And no accusation can be laid against you. So we see in Revelation 12. The accuser is gone. <coughs> Over here on the other side will be those who still stand accused and have rejected God's son. They will be the ones who worship the beast. They'll be the ones who go after the Antichrist. And they'll think he's great and glorious and they will worship him. And they will be the ones willing to persecute others for not worshiping him. I tell you, that is sin. We are not to worship anyone but God. So if anyone comes to you and is not willing to, to warn you of the sin in your life, they are not your friend. You may think they are their friend because they don't want to hurt your feelings. But I'd rather have you hate me and see you in heaven than for you to to love me now and see you in hell. Number three was to encourage people to read their Bible and heed its message. (coughs) Anyone that is of God will will tell you that this is the Word of God. Those that tell you this is not the Word of God, or that our our society's uh, new beliefs about things outweighs this archaic book, they're not of God. But this is not an archaic book, this is the living Word of God. And what it says stands true to this day. If anyone who claims their own authority outside of Christ, they're not of God. The easiest red flag for me for false teachers is they'll get up behind a pulpit or on TV and they won't open this, but they'll come and say, You know what? God spoke to me to tell you this. And you'll find that their message that they spoke goes against God's word. Who really spoke to them? Satan. They listen to the father of the devil. The reality is, if it does not come from the word of God, we are to not accept it as truth. But too many of us do, and we get all caught up in superstitious nonsense that Paul warned us about. Paul told us to cast such people out that cause division, and to, that preach a gospel that I have not preached. That's what Paul tells us. Number four, to encourage people, to love others and serve them so they can know the love of God in Christ by the power of the Spirit. We are not to be a condemning people. And I know when we speak of sin and hell, it sounds condemning. But we were where you are. We know what you're going through. (coughs) And we want to encourage you with the love of Christ. Because while that is the bad news, this is the good news. That Jesus Christ came to die. Because He loves you that much. He took upon your sin. So that you don't have to suffer the wrath. So that your name could be in the Lamb's book of life. For he is the Lamb. Over and over again, we look in the church and we see three to four families serving. We need to understand that God has called us all to serve. That is the love that we give. And I encourage you, church, to stand up and to serve. To reach out. VBS, as I sharing with one of our members here, is one out of four people that will be saved in this country this year. The studies tell us will be from VBS. One out of four. We need volunteers. We can't do it on our own. It shouldn't be the same seven or eight people every year. We should see new people desiring to see people come to Christ. Desiring to see those little kids saved. Because this may be the only time they ever come to church. I'll be honest with you. I went to church three or four times in my my child life. Spiritually speaking, I'm in a miracle that God got a hold of. Most they don't, Most kids won't go to church when they, they get old because they saw their, their parents had no need of it. Why should they have need of it? Or they saw their parents were hypocrites and they went to church, but they did all kinds of simple things as soon as they got home. Or they were accustomed sailors on the way to church. Kids see, kids know. They'll know if you're genuine. We have such a short time on this earth. You know The, the Bible describes our life like grass in the field. We mow grass every week. And then that grass dies. Mm-hmm. The sun, sun will come and scorch it up, or the winter snow will come and destroy it. It will be gone. And that's how our life is. We have such a short period of time. We need to make sure we're, we're not allowing the weeds to get to the children. But that the, the, the true grass, that the truth of God is, is offered to them. I want you to, to think about, could you this day identify the Antichrist or identify any false teacher? And those of you that are truly part of the church, you won't have to worry about identifying the Antichrist, for you will be gone before then. But there's many of us here who who don't really know. We we know of God, but do we know God? Does He know us personally? That's the question we have to ask. Because at the end of the day, what does Scripture say? We will stand before Christ, and to many He will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. But to the others He will say, Get away from me. I never knew you. So many, tell, so many people tell us about how they know God, how they know Christ, and, and what, what their will is for their life, and how they're going to do this and do that. Now what happens? They fall away. They get mad. They get angry. They never knew, really knew God. They felt emotional in a church experience once. They, they, they heard the, the, the great concert or something. They, they got emotional. They came down. They bent their knee. We are not to judge someone's salvation by if they they come down for an altar call. We are to judge a salvation by the fruit in their lives. Is there fruit? Then we praise God and we thank God all the days of our life for them. And if we do not see fruit, we keep proclaiming the gospel until Christ comes. As we look in Revelation 13 here, I'll be be done in just a few minutes as we transition to our, our baptism service. But as we look, I want us to understand... Maybe as Christians, you feel the world against you today. If you do, good. You should feel the world's against you. Read, read John. What does Jesus say in it? The world has hated me. You should expect it to hate you. You are not greater than your master. If they did this to the master, they would do this to the servants. We need to understand that clearly. But we're reaching a point in society where I believe we're, we're setting the stage for what all Revelation speaks of. In this world right now, especially in this country, this country will embrace you if you're a Muslim, if you're Buddhist, if you're Hindu, if you're atheist, if you're agnostic, if you're uh, Church of, of Science, you know, you could go on and on and go on in all the religions I would consider false. And yes, atheism is a religion. But what does it say about Christianity? Why will it not accept Christianity? Because the one thing that all these other religions have in common, it says, you want to get to God, you want to get to heaven, you want to have a happy life, you must work for it. You must work for it, you must work for it, you must work for it, you must work for it. Work for it. What does Christianity say? It says, your works are filthy rags. They are not good enough to, be a, to approach the throne of God. There is only one way, and His name is Jesus Christ. He came and died for you. Amen. That's now, right. now many of you, you don't want to accept Jesus. And so you're doing what Peter warned you not to do. Peter said, do you think Christ will come again and be crucified again? There is no other salvation. So what is Christianity saying? Saying, I'm sorry Muslims, you are wrong. You are going to hell if you do not accept Jesus Christ. What does he say to the Hindus? The same thing to the Buddhists, to those of Scientology, to the atheists, to the agnostics. We, we hold nothing back. We, we make up no lies. We, we don't sugarcoat anything Jesus has said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will come to the Father except through me. And that is why the world hates you. Because you tell it its ways are wrong. You're telling the world it is about to burn. And it is about to burn. Not just how physically this earth will burn. There are many who want to worry about global warming. You need to worry about the wrath of God. You really think you could destroy what God has made? It's laughable. It really is. But, but Peter warns us in his epistles. He said, it will not be like the days of Noah. Christ warned, warned us that this generation will be worse than Noah. Congratulations, you're living in the worst generation in the history of the world. Make you feel good? You shouldn't. The reality is that God will not judge the world by, by the flood again. That is why he sent the rainbow. The same thing this world uses to to make a symbol of sin. No, he will judge this world by fire. That is what scripture speaks of. And he has told you, now is the time to flee from the fire. Now is the time to come and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The world doesn't like it. And it's not going to like you if you accept it. And I know there there may be some here that, that don't like the words I'm saying, and maybe you won't like me for it. I'm willing to live with that. Right, I have spoken the truth to you from God's holy word. And those that are about to come forward and baptism they they have accepted that truth and they identify with with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We should not be worrying about our retirement accounts and everything that that we're going on in life. What we should be doing is looking for the coming of Christ, working for the salvation of souls, setting up his kingdom. But too many of us, we worry about the wrong things. We worry about the superficial things, the things in life that don't matter. The type of car you drive really doesn't matter. The house you have or where you live, that doesn't matter. Those precious babies, they know what matters. Raise up your children the way they should go, and they will not depart from the faith when they grow old. Understand that that God is for you, He loves you. Yes, the sentence is hard to hear. But when we, we hear about Christ and His love, John declares, "For God so loved the world that He gave His one only Son. He did not come into this world to condemn the world. God is not here to condemn. What does Scripture say? For the world is condemned already. The world's been condemned since the Garden. God is offering you a lifeline. We're literally—it's literally like we are on the Titanic, and and the iceberg is hit, and it, the ship's going down, and there there are lifeboats that you could get out now." But you say, no, this is a beautiful ship, it's not sinking. To your own destruction, you go. God sends no one to hell. Absolutely no one. For God loves everyone, and his desires that every man, woman, and child will be saved. People choose hell because they reject God. If you reject God, you reject to be in his presence. And there's only one other place for you after you die. I encourage you this day is we play the music for the altar call we're going to prepare for baptism that, that you would heed these words that if you don't know Christ you would come down and it's not, there's, I've said it many times there's not special magic in the words that you pray it's the repentance in your heart have you truly repented if you truly repented you, you will turn away from your sin and torture God and this day you will be saved I encourage if there's anyone here who desires to be baptized I know the water's cold but you can be baptized this day if you placed your faith in Christ. Please pray with me. Oh, Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the many people here, Lord. I thank you for the, the great opportunity, the great blessing it is to preach your word. I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you, Lord, that they will come down. Let your Holy Spirit work on us, Lord. I know we are all still sinners and we are not yet as you intend us to be. The day will come, where you sanctify us fully and we are glorified in your presence, where we have those crowns, even if we are the last. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.